Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Mike Springston FFC Podcast, where we coach you in the Word. We're going into part two of the reason Jesus had to die, and uh, we have, we're using uh, Matthew twenty twenty eight, even as the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister, and to give his life a ransom for many. Now. We're beginning there. Today we're, we're going to Isaiah chapter 14, verse 12 through 17. We have set the climate in part one into which Jesus came that was fraught with opposition, that was fraught with religious ideas, that was fraught with hatred, uh, misunderstandings, misrepresentations, uh, misappropriations, any misword you want to do, they missed it. And Jesus walked into that environment. And so from that environment came the death of Christ. Now, our environment today does not, is not far removed from that same fiery, oppositional, misunderstood, misappropriated, misinterpreted circumstances of which Jesus walked into. Now, I want you to get that thought. Jesus walked into Israel. He came into Israel in a time of divisive misrepresentation, misunderstanding, and a very deep religious environment. Now, our world today sits virtually in the same condition. We are misappropriating, misinterpreting, misusing. We are oppositional. We are fiery. We cannot connect on truth and then there are those that talk about this coming revival. Now we're going to go to part two of the reason Jesus had to die. Father, we thank you for the word of God. Open our eyes that we can see, our ears that we can hear, and our heart that we can understand. What the word of God is saying to us, and then let us apply it to our lives so that we can be changed in the image of your dear son. Father, we ask that Jesus would speak out of the throne room of God and the Holy Ghost would reveal what it is we are to say and to do from His direction. And we will receive it and release it to your people. We give you praise and honor and glory in the lovely name of Jesus Christ, our High Priest, our Lord, and our Man in the Godhead. Listen to the Scripture. Isaiah 14, 12-17. How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cut down to the ground which didst weaken the nations? For thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds and I will be like the Most High. Yet thou shalt be brought down to hell to the sides of the pit. They that see thee shall narrowly look upon thee and consider thee, saying, Is this the man that made the earth to tremble 
that did shake the kingdoms, that made the world as a wilderness and destroyed the cities thereof, that opened not the house of his prisoners. Now, we could point to a lot of stuff in this scripture. But I want you to notice what he said in verse 17, that made the world a wilderness. That made the world a wilderness. Now, we could look and say he he was cut down to the ground, he didn't weaken the nations and all of those things of his intentions, but he made the world as a wilderness. For God so loved the world that was caught as a wilderness. Now we're coming, you can see it a little bit now, to the reason Jesus died. Now notice what Isaiah said. Isaiah said that he was cut down to the ground. So we're going to find him now. We're going to locate him. He said you're cut down to the ground. You've weakened the nations. The reason for this is what was in your heart. Because you desired to be exalted. That exaltation would be like being what Jesus was given, the exalted name. You wanted to be like the Most High God. But hell is to be your place of abode because you have made the world as a wilderness and because you have destroyed cities and you've made the earth to tremble and you've shaken kingdoms. Obviously, God cast Satan into what we know as the earth. His reign and rule upon the earth, weakened nations, shook the earth, made the earth a wilderness, shook kingdoms, because in the process of being cast down, he became the God of the earth. Here in the earth, he has power. He weakens the fabric of the nations. Why does he do that? Because he imposes what is in his heart upon the people, upon the nations. He finds a way to exalt himself. When the nations allow the exaltation of Lucifer, the earth trembles and the kingdoms are shaken and the world becomes a wilderness. The message here is that the earth is in the plan of God. The nations are in the plan of God. The kingdoms are in the plan of God. But the world is a wilderness. Now why is it a wilderness, my friend? Well, it is a wilderness because of who controls it. For the world to not be a wilderness any longer, there had to be a change of rule and reign. Do you see that? So when we read the scripture for in John 3.16, for God so loved the world, we're not seeing God looking out over man with the eyes of love. He's looking out over what has become a wilderness in the spiritual world. Well, we'll get more deeply into that. The issue is that Satan has been cast down and... Uh, 
put over what it is that's below that consists of the earth, nations, and kingdoms. Now, where do we see that Satan took control of the earth? How do we know that to be the fact? Because Isaiah is writing well past when this occurred. For that, we go to Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 through 31, and God said, Let us make man in our image, after our image, and let them have dominion over the flesh of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over the cattle, and over the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. Man was made in the image of God. He was given dominion over everything in the earth. So God created man in his own image, in the image of God created he him, male and female created he them. He was God's created image and therefore possessed the qualities of his creator. God blessed them and God said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply, replenish the earth and subdue it, have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. After the creation, God placed a very powerful blessing upon his creation. He blessed him. He gave him rights to be fruitful and multiply. He also gave him the right to replenish the earth. The next blessing is a big one, my friend. Man had the right to subdue the earth. I, 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 wait a minute. He had a right to subdue the earth. Now we see why the, why the world was a wilderness. That meant that man could have subdued the serpent had they applied the law of the land. What was the law of the land? Dominion. Replenish. Multiply. Be fruitful. Live in the blessing. Subdue it. God provided the answers to protect the earth and to protect man. But man rebelled against the very things that God had provided and produced for his own benefit. Verse 29, And God said, Behold, I have given you every herb bearing seed which is upon the face of the earth and every tree in which the fruit of the, uh, of, uh, in, in the which is the fruit of a tree yielding seed. To you it shall be for meat. God gave them everything they needed for nourishment. And to every beast of the earth and every fowl of the air and everything that creepeth upon the earth wherein there is life, I have given every green herb for meat. Now watch. And so it was. God saw everything that he had made and behold, it was very good. And evening and the morning were the sixth day. God saw that what he had done was good, very good. Now with these tasks accomplished, God made the parameters of the garden. He set the cherubims at the four corners to guard the entrances. Then he put a wrapper upon man and formed his person. The inner man in the likeness of God, the outer man of clay, and God gives the explicit instructions now concerning the two trees in the center of the Garden of Eden. One tree known as the tree of life is free. It can be consumed at will. And the other tree, known as the tree of knowledge of good and evil, is forbidden for their consumption. From man, he took a rib and made a helpmate. To this person, Adam gave the name Eve. And according to Adam, she was bone of his bone and flesh of his flesh. And Adam was responsible for her 
in the economy of God. Now comes chapter 3. We see the serpent approach and converse with Eve, and that conversation, of course, ends in Adam's treason. Adam, God says, where art thou and what have you done? With all the promises and blessings that God gave Adam of which he was responsible to share with Eve, Adam and Eve failed, and then the earth fell into the control of Satan. Isaiah 14 defines how Satan brutalized the earth until the earth was a wilderness. Now you see how Isaiah 14 became a reality. As Satan controls the earth and the man that dwells in it. Total control. Now with that, there must be a remedy. Not for the fall of man, but for the judgment and control of Satan. For that to occur, there had to be a perfect sacrifice who would meet all the legal requirements necessary to pay the price for the repurchase of the world. So when we read, for God so loved the world, we understand why the world was a wilderness. Everything in it was brutalized, evil, shaken by Satan because Satan in his heart became the dominant heart in the earth and of course in mankind. We must see that as the sphere into which Satan was in control after he deceived man, that by this deception, man gave all the benefits identified for his use, his control, his dominion, his fruitfulness, his ability to multiply, his ability to replenish, his ability to subdue and be blessed, gave all of those from that chapter in Genesis chapter 1 directly into the hands of Satan. God must have a means to defeat Satan now unless Satan is left to express his heart upon the earth, the nations and the kingdom, and the earth remain a wilderness. Now notice, in this wilderness there was nations, there were kingdoms, but God looked at it and saw it as a wilderness. Huh. Satan must be destroyed. What he is doing to the earth must be destroyed. Here's the reason Christ died, my friends. Listen, here is the reason Christ died. Glory to God. Here is the reason that God sent Jesus because the earth was a wilderness led in bondage and in slavery and in captivity to the brutality of evil, the heart of evil. Here is the reason Jesus died. Look at the four works that served 
to destroy the works of the devil, we're going to find something out even deeper. There is the cross. Here Jesus took upon himself the sin of the world, being the perfect sinless sacrifice. He took upon the sin of the wilderness of the nations, the kingdoms, and the people. He was the perfect sinless sacrifice. He was legally, because of his perfection and obedience, prepared to do so. This was the only sacrifice that could legally be offered for this purpose. So he dies upon the cross to once and for all pay the legal penalty for sin that would dislodge and destroy the evil work that would make free dominion, fruitfulness, multiplication, that would make free the ability to subdue and replenish, that would make free the blessings of God. What a proper, what a proper process. What a plan of God. Now we want to add this and preach it as if it is the sin of mankind. We want to simply make it about sin. What mankind has done during the time between the garden and the moment of which we are talking about the cross really is not relevant to the reason Jesus died. He had to be the remedy for sin, period. Man was caught in the vice of sin, and man had no option to be removed. There was no means, no legal means to retrieve not only the world, but man, the nations, the kingdom, the earth, any of it. Unless there was a legal sacrifice who was perfectly worthy to bear all of the sin that was placed upon the world by the treason of man. And in so doing, destroy the works of the devil. What were the works of the devil? Huh. What were they? Well, they were sin. Well, now wait a minute. They were dominion. They were fruitfulness. Huh? They were the ability to multiply. They were the ability to use blessing in reverse and subdue. Yeah, my friend. Those were the abilities that the devil took because those were the things that God gave. Man was caught in this vice of a wilderness in a world where the dominion and the ability to subdue and to bring about evil acts, evil interchanges, evil intercourses, was all given into the hands of the devil. Evil abounded. Evil was the reason Jesus came to die. To destroy it. Jesus declares on the cross it is finished. Now what is finished? 
Will the death of illegal sacrifices successfully run its course? Sin and all of the things that the devil stole directly from the mouth of God implanted in his people has been paid for. It's finished. The cross is a success. Then the tomb. Now here is where sin is buried. The skeletal system of Jesus is preserved so as to protect his inner spirit. But the flesh which bore the sin, all of the destructive measures and character that Satan took from man dies and is buried. It's left to decompose, my friend, in the tomb, never again to be born, never again to live, never again to have prominence, never again to have freedom, never again to be the rule of law in the land. Now, I did not say that it would not operate in the land. I said it would no longer be the rule of law in the land. Jesus moved from the tomb into the regions of the damned, and here he is under the weight of sin until the Holy Spirit enters this region with light. Jesus' spirit is quickened and hell is paralyzed. In front of those who are among this region, Jesus enters into the strong man's house and spoils his goods. He takes the keys of death and hell. Hell must be on Xanax, my friend, because they are powerless to stop him. He raises from the region of the dam with the keys of death and hell, and when he does, he raises as the victoriously anointed Christ. Now, why did these three first acts of the works of Jesus Christ occur as they did? Were they operating for the economy of man, or were they operating for the economy of God? Consider the question. In answering that question, you must conclude that it was completed for the economy of God, Satan and what he had stolen had to have a legal sacrifice to get it be the penalty so that it could be bought back. The tomb had to be the place where all of the personality of sin was buried. The region of the damned had to be the place where the goods that needed to be captured were taken back. So in these works were operating the economy of God. They had to be done first. The economy of God had to be completed, had to be in operation, Satan had to be defeated. The emphasis of Jesus Christ was the defeat of Satan. The law of sin and death had to be transformed by the legal price of the penalty of the crucifixion burial and transfer into the region of the damned since the law of sin and death held the kingdom and the constitutional rights to both death and hell. There had to be a means to go and overthrow that regime. This had to be done as the first order of business 
to restore the economy of God. From this, the victoriously anointed Christ rose and was seen back in the earth. Huh, the earth no longer was a wilderness. Glory to God. There was a conqueror, a king who was anointed so. And as that king came back into the earth as the resurrected Jesus Christ, all of the anointing of heaven stood to support the fact that hell had been destroyed and defeated and the deceiver was now under the control in the spirit world of what Jesus Christ had accomplished. The constitution of his kingdom was destroyed. Now a new law can be legally and constitutionally put into place. That law supersedes and does so for eternity and is established to abolish the law of sin and death. My friend, it is the law of the spirit of life that is in Christ Jesus. Why did Paul say the names in this order? Because Christ Jesus came out of the region of the damned with the spoils and the anointing to back up the new law. The process is not complete. As he meets Mary back at the tomb, Jesus fills her sin. John 20, 11 said, But Mary stood without of the sepulchre weeping, and as she wept, she stooped down and looked into the sepulchre, and seeth two angels in white sitting, the one at the head and the other at the feet, where the body of Jesus had lain. And they said unto her, Woman, why weepest thou? She saith unto them, Because they have taken away my Lord, and I know not where they have laid him. And when she had thus said, she turned herself back and saw Jesus standing, and knew not that it was Jesus. Jesus saith unto her, Woman, why weepest thou? Whom seekest thou? She, supposing him to be the gardener, saith unto him, Sir, if thou hast borne him, hence tell me where thou hast laid him, and I will take him away. And Jesus saith unto her, Mary, she turned herself and saith unto him, Rabboni, which is master. Jesus saith unto her, Touch me not. For I am not yet ascended to my father, but go to my brethren and say unto them, I ascend unto my father and your father and to my God and your God. Jesus is on his way to do a legal work that must be completed for the transaction to be accepted in the economy of God. He says, I am must ascend to my father and your father, to your God and my God. We will see shortly what that work was to do. Now go with me to Hebrews 9, 16 through 26, for where a testimony is, there must also of necessity be the death of a testator. For a testament is a force after men are dead, otherwise it is of no strength at all while the testator liveth. Whereupon neither the first testament was dedicated without blood. For when Moses had spoken every precept to all the people according to the law, he took the blood of calves and of goats with water and scarlet wool and hyssop, and sprinkled both the book and all the people, saying, This is the blood of the New Testament, which hath God hath enjoined unto you. Moreover, he sprinkled with blood both the tabernacle and all the vessels of the ministry. And almost all things are by law purged with blood. Without shedding of blood is no remission. It was therefore necessary that the patterns of things in the heavens should be purified with these. But the heavenly things themselves with better 
sacrifices than these. For Christ is not entered into the holy places made with hands, which are the figures of the true, but in the heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God for us, nor yet that he should offer himself often as the high priest entereth into the holy place every year with blood of others. For then must he often have suffered since the foundation of the world. But now, once in the end of the world, hath he appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. What do you see here? We see what Jesus did during his first ascension. He completed the legal work required in the tabernacle made without hands to once and for all put away sin, to bring down the dominion, to bring down the ability to be fruitful and multiply, to bring down the ability to replenish and subdue. All of the things that God gave Adam, Jesus, in his sacrifice, has put back into the correct perspective of dominion, fruitfulness, multiplication, of blessing, of replenishing, and of subduing. He has given them back into the spirit world under the control of Almighty God. Life was to be the new law, and peace with God was to be the result of that new law. Jesus entered and turned to the candlestick here. He saw the complete process of God from his holiness, righteousness, and purity to the seven spirits of God to the word which was to be completed speedily to the anointing that would maintain the light who was Christ to the spirit who would uh, empower Jesus and serve to draw men to him, to the grace that was in the light, to the worship of his people who would know the word and be brought into the acceptable year of the Lord by his spirit and be redeemed and made righteous. He would sprinkle the blood upon that candlestick as that representation sanctifying the complete process of God. He would then turn to the table of showbread. This represented the work of the cross and the body and the blood of Jesus Christ. He would sprinkle the blood and it would ensure that what was done in the cross by the body and the blood would stand forever and eternity as the law of the land. Glory to God. Sin and Satan was defeated. That's why he died wilderness was turned into a fruitful desert, uh, a fruitful place, a land of milk and honey. He would then proceed to the altar of incense and sprinkle his blood on the lit coals that made up the fire. When joined, they would create the evidence that would become a sweet-smelling savor in the nostrils of God. From there, God knew that the world was no longer a wilderness and that the Godhead was back in control that's why Jesus died. Listen to what he said. Paul said it in Colossians chapter 2. For in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and ye are complete in him which is the head of all principality and power. In him also ye are circumcised with the circumcision made without hands in putting off the body of sin of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, buried with him in baptism, wherein also ye are risen with him through the faith of the operation of God, who hath raised him from the dead." And you being dead in sins and the uncircumcised circumcision of your flesh, hath he quickened together with him, having forgiven you of all trespasses. Watch this legal. 
blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against you, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross, and having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. While he, operating as the high priest, completed this activity, he executed in the tabernacle made without hands in the heavens the final legal step to free the world from the bondage and slavery of sin. These are legal words that are showing that a new law has been enacted. A new law has been written to abolish the old law. It's not done by executive order. It is done by a legal process. This is an important point, my friend. God could have usurped the power of Satan, but then his character and trustworthiness would be in question. But no, he won the battle by completing the process. Now the process is irreversible. It is the eternal, and therefore, there can be no other law to ever supersede the law of life. So why did Christ die? Was it for man? Well, that part is left to come. But he died for certain to destroy the works that the devil had perpetrated upon the world. The death that had to be accomplished, the law had to be changed, and the new law had to be established from the, before the law could be put into effect. Now think about this. When the law of sin and death was imposed upon man, there had to be a separation that occurred between God and man. God had to place Adam and Eve outside the garden. He did so. However, he slayed animals for them to be covered and protected from the elements. This must be seen as God beginning the sacrifice of animals for the sin of mankind. He carried that into his relationship with Israel. Now, man has to have a port of entry back into relationship with God. John 3.16 offers that port of entry. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Now watch where man comes in because I'm about to entertain man's entrance into the plan, purpose, and work of God. After he got done fixing the wilderness by the death of Jesus Christ, look at the scripture that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. The port of entry has been revealed as the belief system of man. Prior to all the works that Jesus accomplished to legally destroy sin and Satan, there was nothing for man to have to believe. He operated by the system of sacrifice, Israel did, that God had placed as the worship mechanism but outside of Israel, man had nothing to believe. Priests in Israel offered the blood, and God accepted the sacrifices for Israel. After the first four works that began at the cross, man was able to participate in a worship system of God in a very new way. What was that way? He was able to believe. This believing could not occur until the first four works were all accomplished. Then man would have the two ingredients required for his belief system to afford him the opportunity to be reconciled to God. What were those two? They were the spirit of grace and the gift of faith. These could connect man back and bring them into a place they had never been before because everything that they had known 
was misrepresented, misguided, and misinformed. It brought them into a new position of the love of God. The two, the spirit of grace and the gift of faith, will allow man for the first time to know the love of God, to be brought into the love of God. So did he die just for you and me? Well, my friend, that wasn't his first first order of business. He died to defeat Satan once and for all. After that, he exposed the spirit of grace and the gift of faith to give man a port of entry out of wilderness and into a new kingdom, out of darkness and into light. He gave man the opportunity to believe, to believe upon what Jesus Christ had done and be saved from the death that was associated to sin. To live under a new law called the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. To live under a new rule, the kingdom of his dear son. And to be blessed in all of the ways that God set out initially to bless those that he made in his likeness and image. Father, I thank you for the word of God. May it minister to us. May it enlighten us. May it show us the truth. May our heart be focused and centered on you, not on ourselves. May we see what you have done, and may we accept what you have done, and be servants to you. In the lovely name of Jesus Christ, our high priest, our Lord, and our man in the Godhead. So we see in closing why he came to minister. There was something he had to do in ministry to the wilderness. And then we see why Jesus spoke it as he did. And to give his life a ransom for many. May God richly bless you is my prayer until we speak again.